Hi, everybody. Welcome to Artifice episode 82, my interview with Laura Lee Bradshaw. Um, I know I say this all the time, but I just want to say at the beginning here again, one of my favorite things about doing this podcast is getting to talk with total strangers, like a lot of people that I think I never would have had any other reason to kind of bump into or meet. Um and, and really talk to them about the things that make them special, like talk to them about the things that they love more than anything. Um, and, you know, I, it, it, it really, I think it, it helps me maintain like a faith in humanity, um, you know, to have this kind of regular experience of talking with people who, um, you know, in probably some cases in, in, in a lot of ways I don't have, um, maybe too much in common with in terms of like what our, what our lives, what our day-to-day lives are like, or maybe what we believe. Um, but we have this really kind of rich, um, common ground in this one small area. Um, and I, I just find it a privilege to, to get to talk with people, um, yeah, about those kind of like sensitive things. And it, and it makes me feel inspired to really look for those things when I'm talking with just anybody, um, you know, out of the context of the podcast. Um, now I am recording this intro on November 2nd and feeling like a little bit nervous as I'm sure, you know, everybody is like, regardless of kind of what you believe or, um, or how you're voting. And obviously if you don't live in the States, then maybe you have a fully different, um, experience. But for those of us living in the States, I think it's, it's a, it's a nervous day. Um, and any, any number of things could be kind of different about the world, um, in a week. Uh, and we might be in totally different moods, but this is the mood I'm in today, which is, which is maybe one of the reasons that I'm kind of thinking again about, um, you know, obviously that there there will be people in the world who kind of are not healthy people for you to be around. People who like who truly do kind of want to um, treat you poorly. But I think most people are not like that. And I think um, if we have the energy um, and kind of the bandwidth to to look for those places where we can really um find common ground we we probably can find it or at, at very least if it's not common ground I think I think we can usually find things to kind of respect and admire about each other if we kind of ask the right questions and look in the right places um and you know in a lot of ways I think I I feel that way about this interview I loved talking with Laura Lee so much I felt really inspired by so many of the things she said um even though I I think we, we didn't really talk about anything specific um, but I, but I think it's probably pretty clear that we have different beliefs about, um, religion at least. And, and, um, also probably some different beliefs about politics, I would imagine. Um, but man, Laura Lee just had so many things to say that I felt, um, totally, totally interested in and totally moved by and, and, and inspired by. And I think I mentioned to her in the interview, um, that it's really valuable to me as kind of a, a young, a young woman, um, to, to talk with, um, older women who have had a lot of experience and who, you know, can kind of, um, inspire me in, in that particular way. And I, I certainly felt like that, um, talking with Laura Lee. So I'm, I'm really grateful for the conversation. Um, 
<clears throat> and now I'm going to read you Laura Lee's bio. Born in California, Bradshaw moved to Utah at age 19 to attend BYU, where she completed a BFA and MFA in art. Bradshaw teaches art at Utah Valley University. She is a mother of four children. From her domestic experience as a mother and nurturer, she finds artistic inspiration. She is a classical figurative artist. Themes of celebration and belief in humanity run through her work. Among her notable works are Martha Hughes Cannon, an eight-foot bronze displayed at the Utah State Capitol, Acanthus Child, a six-foot figure displayed at the, Utah, er, the University of Utah Medical Center, as well as several sculptures on display at the Conference Center in Salt Lake City. And you guys, really, you'll, you'll have to click on the blog post associated with this episode and look at more of Laura Lee's work. Um, she does... Uh, bronze bronze sculptures mostly and, and also paintings but her sculptures are so evocative so beautiful um and and just some of them so big you know just I don't know I I get sometimes really um I don't know I feel I feel something about the kinds of artists who just make things that are so big like big big paintings big sculptures um, and it's just awesome. So, so please be sure to check out her work. It's stunning. It's so beautiful. Um, and yeah, I think that's enough of an intro. Everybody enjoy Laura Lee. Great art almost feels like magic. It opens our minds to brand new ideas and teaches us to see ourselves and our world more clearly. Of course, behind all great art, there are artists. And I think that's where the real magic happens. As we go beneath the art itself to explore how artists do what they do, we see glimpses of the sorts of creativity and resilience that lead to the art that moves our world. And maybe we can learn to borrow some of that magic for our own thinking. That's the goal here. And now that we're on the same page, let's dive in. I'm Emily Merrill, and this is Artifice. Today's episode of Artifice is brought to you by Bite Toothpaste Bits. Bite is the only plastic-free and totally environmentally friendly way to replace the paste you've used your whole life. When it's time to brush your teeth, you just wet your toothbrush, pop the little bit in your mouth and brush. It foams right up like magic. And don't worry, all of the packaging is recycled, compostable, and delivered with a low carbon footprint. I love my activated charcoal bits and thought this would be the perfect stocking stuffer for all of my listeners. So I reached out to Bite and got us a holiday deal. Head to BiteToothpasteBits.com and use promo code ARTIFICE10, that's all caps, A-R-T-I-F-I-C-E-1-0, for 10% off all orders of $30 or more. Make the switch to plastic-free toothpaste today. I'm coming up on two years, and um, I met, I was having lunch with Becky and Jackie um, and Melanie and Michael, all of them, I guess, yeah. in uh, like June of this year, and they were like, you've got to interview Laura Lee. Oh. So I reached out, and now we're chatting, but we have like, yeah, we have like a, a family connection. Right. So the podcast is, you were asking about it, it's just, it's like a, it's like a radio show, but it's not live. So we'll air it later. Okay. Um, and we can talk about all kinds of things. Like my podcast is mostly about like creativity 
and like art identity and also just about like how you got to be an artist. So um, if you have any thoughts at any point that you want to like diverge from whatever I'm asking you about, go for it. Um, But I like to start by talking about our childhoods. So um, when you were little, what kind of creative things were you up to as like a little kid? I remember going to a uh, family gathering with some other family, and those people had hammers and wood, just blocks of wood, pieces of construction, probably wood, and they just let all the kids just go at it and hammer Mm. nails in these things. Yeah, and that was so thrilling to me. Yeah, how old were you, do you think? Like, do you know? I was maybe six. Wow. Yeah, I can I can imagine that like being kind of like uh, entrusted with like <laughs> these kind of powerful tools and like medium. Right. Um, I can imagine that being like a powerful uh, experience as a kid. Yeah. Yeah. Well, my folks didn't really protect us too much back in those days because I'm 62. So yeah. we had a different growing up than sure. you did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because. We didn't have all those conceptions of safety that right. we've gotten right. to have to worry about now. Um, just my mean, a hammer and nail and wood, like those are, <laughs> those are like they feel real. You know that uh-huh, feels. Yeah, there's so, something. You're right, powerful and and uh, in control, like permanent kind yeah. of. Or, mm-hmm. You know, so um, did that feel like? I know this is maybe a hard question to ask, but like the feeling that you had about that. Was that like similar to the feeling that you get now when you're when you're sculpting? Yeah, I I do think it's a big player of the same kind of um, tendencies I had. I I uh, I think it's it's a funny thing. Artists don't know that they think about things differently than most people. But even as a child, go back to the child thing. We were allowed to roam, and I mean, we would roam three miles away easily, yeah. and we would make forts, and, and we can make forts out of tumbleweeds, which yeah. you think, oh, those are not very happy, they're prickly, <laughs> yeah. but we could make forks out of, forts out of that, we could make, um, we actually did bad things, like we got all the bricks from a brick layer, layer and we pa- pa- um, stacked them all up yeah. into a, a structure yeah. <laughs> made yeah. a fort, you know. I mean, we we can make a fort out of a hill, dig in a hill. I think making um, structures was any kind. You know, I remember in my backyard, my dad didn't even care. He let me uh, dig a, sw- I thought, a swimming pool. I, cool. I, I was, yeah. <laughs> you know, maybe two feet deep, and yeah. I put visqueen plastic in awesome. it and filled it up. Um so it's not really about making an object that you put in a gallery. And I think that that's the first step of being an artist, not to think I'm making this special thing that somebody's going to covet and want. Yeah. You, an artist um, likes the process more than the object. Or yeah. like say, if I'm painting a flower, it's not really that I'm thinking, oh, I'm going to make this cool flower. I'm actually thinking, oh, I'm approaching this paint in this unique way, right. doing it. Um, the process is more exciting than the flower. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I couldn't agree more. And 
part of the reason that I named my podcast Artifice, I always say part of it's that it's just a cool word. But the other thing is I this this thing that you're saying that you just kind of normally have to ask people about it, but you're just you just brought it right up, which I love, um, is is exactly this. People like to art, ask artists about their the work that's finished, but the thing that we're really actively doing is the process. And that's the thing where there's like, I agree, like that's the thing where there's a difference. So even as a little kid, you feel, you felt like you were thinking about these things differently. Like that was something kind of innate. Yeah. And I've seen my own children. I have four children. They're all um, maybe genetically more inclined for artistic, creative thinking, which we always know is the right brain. And um, they're really amazing thinkers. And yet, like my daughter, when she'd go to girls camp, would spend a lot of her time at the fire manipulating the plastic forks because they can melt right. cool and make into yeah. nice objects. Um, so you can't really s- detect an artist because they are there. Uh, if If you're a person that does take anything mud and make dams in the gutter, you're really got that artistic inclination. And if you have children, watch for that and then yeah. encourage those moments where they like to play in the sand and just they can stay there for the whole day. One son, I really, he was in the sandbox his, most of his growing up because he'd make these roads and these hills and these caves. And, wow. and, and if I wanted to connect with him, I had to just sit out there and make things with him and I would get um, plaster and sand and we'd make really cool roads you know I'd encourage it more he loved that oh yeah he's he was just in his heaven and um, some some children they say oh they have an autism sort of spectrum well I could think right away that he could have maybe been in that area but I connected with his little person when he was a child Mm. in a way that was Right, ground roots level yeah. way, and you know he's totally fine. Yeah. He, he's not um, at all. He's very socially um, connected, and I think that I might have curved his tendency to like isolate himself yeah. because I, you I gave another I, um, channel, another path right. for communication. Yeah. And yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I talk about that a lot, that like one of the main things that I think is kind of unique about artists. I mean, it's not that it's unique. There are definitely other professions and and people who aren't artists who think this way. But rather, I think it's necessary for artists to know how to think creatively and forge different types of paths. And I think that's a skill that's really valuable for all kinds of other interpersonal types of endeavors. Um, When you were little... Uh, w- were your parents encouraging to you in that way or, or was, is, did you kind of, were you the beginning of that? You know, I had, was very fortunate cause, um, I came in those days, families were typically about six kids and I came from a six, six, five siblings and me. Um, I'm the second oldest. Okay. I was a girl, I, it goes boy, girl, boy, boy, girl, girl. So my mom had nine, um, six kids in nine years. Wow. Uh, yeah, she Crazy. did good. Yeah. And, um, and so I was kind of lost in this mix, you know. My mom barely had time to get all the food and the right. clothing. And, 
Anyway, um, luckily, this wonderful woman, you know, I think God has a lot to do with our path. Nothing's by chance. And I was in sixth grade, and maybe it was fifth grade. Her name was Dorothy Boydston. I credit her to a lot because I could not read. I, I had a struggle with all those things that are more left brain. Um, I, I might have had some dyslexia, but as a child, it's really strange. I'll go just a little bit into yeah, this. Please, I love it. Um, and so you have to kind of, like you said, find learning resources that are different for different thinking people. Mm-hmm. So literally, I learned how to read by seeing words as symbols or, yeah. or images. So like bed, a little B-E-D, it, it looked like a little like a bed. bed. Yeah. Church, it looked kind of like a little church. Um, would, could, and should, those really confused me because mm-hmm. they all look the same. Yeah. So my teachers would be like, that was wood. No, that's could. And I'd be like, oh, whoa, which one was it? Yeah. Um, so this lady, Dorothy Boydston, um, came in conference with my te- my parents said, Oh, I'm really concerned. Your little girl is so shy. She will probably be a hermit or, you know, introvert her whole life if you don't pull something out and help her. Give her, my folks were dumbfounded here. They got six kids to think about. And they're like, well, what do we do? Yeah. And um, she says, typically you, you need to find something they're good at and give them lessons. And help them encourage the thing, and then through that talent, they be they kind of have identity, yeah, like you know, yeah. yeah, and get confidence. And so, my folks were like, "Okay, but what's she good at?" You yeah. know, that's the question you have to wonder when these little people haven't really developed. Right. And she's so sweet. She said, "Haven't you noticed she's really good at art?" Yeah. And um, I remember she was so sweet. She like put me in charge of doing a bulletin board or something. Wow. And I, I really, I really just could tear up about her because she even had like a, you know, incentive thing where she would pull, uh, pull a name out and she'd have these little trinkets or toys to yeah. give to the children if they had succeeded. And I know she cheated on this. Yeah. She had this hat that she pulled my name out. It probably didn't even have my name on it. She just yeah. faked it. And she says, oh, Lorley gets the etcher sketch. Yeah. Now, etcher sketches were these things. I know. I had they one. Went, yeah. You did, yeah. They're like a yeah. um, little magnet. Oh, no, no. It was a it was it was a circle thing made a circle gyrograph gyroscope something anyway cool i was just like oh am i heaven that i got that and i just think she just had a little twinkle in her eye and she knew that i needed it and so she said can i ask how old you were i i was in fifth grade okay okay so then um so dorothy boydston um she was the one that noticed i had art And then my father, fortunately, worked with this uh, man who had a daughter, Lori McGinnis, and she had been taking private art lessons from some lady. Well, you could just take any art lessons, and you have to be careful when you have your child take art lessons because the teacher can curve them, and, you know, probably a dancer can learn poor posture in the process or a... A vocalist can learn how to strain their 
chords. Right. There's a lot of different teachers. Um, this teacher was um, Miriam Lutsky, but now she's Miriam Baker. Her 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 current name is Miriam Baker, and um, Miriam just was this young mom that did it in her home, and she is very talented. And so I took heart lessons from her. Cool. Now, I came from the 70s. And in the 70s, art had a lot of association with drugs. Yeah. So being a very conservative background, I was frightened yeah. that being an artist would... Would mean something different. Curve my life yeah. in a um, rebel way. Yeah. So I, I actually resisted the idea of being an artist. Interesting. But I was obsessed with doing art. So when did you, you started taking lessons with her like around fifth, sixth grade? 11 years old. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Um, I've had a lot of guests who say really similar things about a certain teacher they had. And I definitely feel the same way. I never thought of myself as an artistic person too much. I mean, I, 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 I think like you just as a child doing normal child things and kind of playing, I maybe got the sense that I was thinking about things a little differently or or maybe I was a little bit more attentive to certain like I would get a little fixated on whatever like you know sometimes I my my mom used to tell me that when I was little I I used to spend a lot of time sorting my toys oh. like putting them in different in categories and yeah and like I think and she she tells it like she could never quite figure out exactly what pattern I was thinking of, but I was definitely, so, I mean, I, I sometimes as an adult, like wonder if that was kind of some early evidence that I was kind of making connections in places that weren't totally, you know, wasn't clear that it was like by color or, and, and if I know my brain now, I think I was probably putting together little sets, you know, yeah, yeah. I just have to guess. Um, but I never really thought of myself as someone who was like talented or I never really felt permission to think of myself as a, as a more creative person until I was in the fourth grade. And I had a teacher, Francine Russell, who told me, she just told me, I mean, it was a lot like your teacher. She just told me nice things about myself and believed in me in these small ways and noticed, you know, when I would turn in my little assignments, she would maybe verbalize to me like appreciation over some small details. And it just made me feel like, oh, this is something that I can sort of cling to. Like this can be something that I identify with a little bit. Like you said, I think it's, I think you're right that like these people in our lives are so important. Oh, I do too. I think um, just on that little side note, I was, um, went down to St. George and went to the Eagles concert and another couple from my neighborhood went and, and I noticed, and they're just a darling couple, but I noticed the man, um, was a lot fishing for compliments from his wife. Mm. And, um, I noticed that she didn't give them out that easily. And I just think that's a shame that yeah. people, we should just like notice and be free to compliment Fully each agree. other because in one compliment, you can change somebody's life. I feel that way too. And I, I 
I totally practice what I preach with that. Yeah. Like I, I am the person that will stop people in the store and be like, your hair, your yeah. shoes. I love, I also like, I really love people's voices uh-huh. and I feel like I'm always talking to people about, you know, how I like the sound of their, their speaking voice. Cause I'm a singer. Yeah. That's my main. Um, yeah. Anyway. So this is really interesting to me. I had a similar experience not not maybe when I was so young as you, but when I was thinking about going to college, I grew up LDS too, and um, and and also had a certain amount of like fear. My my degrees are in jazz performance, right? Which is very kind of edgy. Yeah, yeah, experiment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I I relate to that coming from a conservative background. Um, but even as a little, even as such a young girl, you were you were worried about it. Yeah, I um, do have a real connection with God and being in harmony with God. So that was uh, in my intuition to yeah. always say, okay, is this something God would approve of or, or encourage is a better word, you yeah. know. Um, and then I did see, you know, it was pretty evident sometimes the results of drug. I remember... Uh, in in junior high, the actually the art teacher got arrested for drugs, mm. and um, that was the end of her career as the art teacher. So it was mostly you felt like it was mostly like a like a drug related thing, like the arts were kind of associated oh, with drugs. Well, back in the the seventies, that that was pretty yeah. much hallucinogenics yeah. were involved. I I didn't um, know much, and ma- matter of fact. Because of that instinct to kind of stay in a place where I could keep my senses to me, mm-hmm. I, I've never done any yeah. drugs. Yeah. Um, I didn't even take any art classes in junior high wow. school or anything. I took the private lessons from Miriam, which was really awesome. And you trusted her like you felt safe around oh her. Yeah, yeah yeah she was darling she had she had a cute personality she she's alive she's a, my friend still um she How? was so darling she'd play this motown cool diana ross as loud as it could go yeah. in the whole house what while we would paint did she teach you was it mostly it was painting or did painting you? yeah cool actually funny thing is miriam's a sculptor now and i turned into a sculptor Cool. So that's cool. Yeah. So what kind of stuff did you paint? Like, I mean, I think what I'm really wondering, I, I guess I should rephrase the question. I want to know, like, what did you feel was the balance of like her teaching you skills, like how to actually, you know, create perspective or how to mix your paints or whatever versus teaching you how to think like what, what were the lessons like in that way? You know, she didn't really, um, I don't think she gave me much philosophy thinking. We just painted Skills. and painted. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, the best thing about Miriam, she, her love for me was undaunted. undaunted. Yeah. She loves me. Yeah. I mean, you just have to love a child um, or anybody you're teaching or influencing. And that influence just permeates. And I couldn't do anything wrong. Yeah. She, and and yet, in that arena, I was so so open in me, but then put me right out the door and back into school, and I um, became 
this more reserved, yeah. shy person. Yeah. So interesting. My I- mother was awesome because she took all the paintings I did, and I painted like a Van Gogh person. Yeah. I painted so much there wasn't room under the beds, on the walls. Wow. I painted I so much in my growing up years, which is so good. Just paint, paint, paint. Yeah. And um, my mother was awesome. She just put my paintings all over the walls like a big gallery. I love it. And then when people would come over, that was like, oh, look what Lorley can do, you yeah. know. That does a lot for a yeah. child. Yeah. 100%. I didn't experience that at all. <laughs> but um but I did from that one teacher, that Mrs. Russell. She was yeah. so dear. But yeah, my my parents, I think I'm a professional artist and to this day they don't really care. They don't understand yeah. that. They don't really care. It is hard for generally for people. Even my you know, people in my family would be like, "Oh, I don't." You know, they they're like, "That's that's a that's a hard idea to go be an artist." Um, interestingly, as success came for years, then they're like, "Wow!" Yeah. <laughs> they became on board, and they and they do that. They they kind of yeah. They kind of see, "Wow, you're amazing! You're doing this," which is really hard. I mean, the percentage of people yeah that that succeed is really amazing. I always think it's so pointless to discourage a young artist. I think they will figure it out. Like I see no reason to discourage an artful child or an artful youth. It seems like destructive only, you know, like, I mean, I don't think you should lie to anybody and give them like a totally false hope, but sure, like pursue the arts. And if it doesn't work out, like you're going to figure it out, you know? Yeah, yeah. I don't understand the impulse to tell, to tell a child, especially to tell a child, like that's a really hard life. Yeah. Um, I feel like it's the same thing. Like if your little kid thinks that they're going to be a professional basketball player, you don't have to tell them yes, that they're not. The process gonna, will kind of, they will figure it out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You don't have to be like, you're not going to do that. <laughs> you're not going to go it's to the so NBA. Crazy. Right. Like you don't need to tell them. And I feel the same way about art, but I feel like pe- we treat it differently. Like I hear stories and stories and stories and stories of adults telling children, like you can't really do this, which I yeah. think is just like, it's a tragedy. I hate yeah. it so much. I don't see the purpose of it. <laughs> like I know. let them figure it out. Let um, them fall if they have to fall. Right, or maybe they'll be successful, mm-hmm. you know? I don't know. So, okay, so you said you didn't take um, any art classes in school because you, you just didn't feel right. No, I didn't. I didn't do that in high school. Okay. Um, and then when it came to going to college, I actually thought of, I, I liked taking a chemistry class in high school, so... Um, I decided, oh, I, maybe I should be a nurse because I liked helping people. Yeah. Um, but I fortunately um, applied for a scholarship, and I got a scholarship to BYU-Idaho. Cool. And uh, in Rexburg. And so, and that was in art because I had put all these paintings in the, and that was an art scholarship. Yeah. So I thought, oh, well, I'll just, Go to school and I'll... We'll see. <laughs> well, I didn't even want to do the art thing, but I thought I'll use their money. Sure, sure, And I'll, sure. Get, I'll get my education, you yeah. know. Anyway, um, I, I did then meet up with another player in my development, and it was um, Brent Gehring. And Brent said, hey, why don't you take a sculpture class? Yeah. 
here I'd done painting all my growing. Exclusively. Yeah. Okay. I never had been into, introduced to sculpture. When I would say now, when people ask me what kind of artist I am, I say, well, I'm really a sculptor, but I do love to paint too. Yeah. Um, so I have chosen to, over the years, to do sculpture more as the professional um, way to make money with the arts. Uh, the, the reason is because you can you can make copies in bronze right. and then you can sell all those copies instead of doing one painting and getting $3,000. You right. make 25 bronzes and you can make right. 3000 for each. Them. Yeah, yeah, casting. Okay. So it's a more profitable way. Um, but I also have this real uh, connection with tangible, like, the three D yeah. instead of just two D too. It started with those nails and that those wood blocks, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah, banging things. I, I have just a quick question before you tell about uh, Brent Gehring, right? Yeah, you remember. Um, yeah. I try. Uh, at the time that you were graduating from high school, even though you weren't thinking you were going to become a professional artist, did you think of yourself as an artist? Like, how, like how much was? Um, that a part of your identity at that at that point in your life? Yeah, um, people knew that I had a real talent because they, my mom, you know, there's all those paintings all over the wall. Right. Um, but thinking of a, me as an artist, um, you know, they actually even in school back then would say, you don't have the right to say you're an artist until you make money. No, until you had time. Oh, um, there was a real theology or philosophy yeah. of saying, I'm a student. Yeah. I'm a, I'm, I'm a learning. There was, it's interesting because I don't hear that thinking anymore. I mm. remember the teachers almost reprimanding you saying, you're not an artist yet. Yeah. What do you think about that now? That's interesting. I've not thought of that in years. Yeah. But that was really like downplayed. Like you're not an artist. You haven't mm. paid the dues to say you're an artist. Yeah. I think that back then they would play up that if you're an artist, you were like a master. You had the ma you mastered that skill. Yeah. Um, until you master something, you really don't have the right to say that you are that. Whereas you're saying, well, wait, it starts with the thinking, precedes think, yeah. the doing, and yeah. that's. True, you you know, as a man thinketh, so is he. Yeah, um, that's definitely what I think. <laughs> as a teacher, I mean, in fact, it's something I talk about on this podcast a lot. I teach little kids um, singing, you know, and songwriting, and I tell them all the time, like, you know, some of my students. Maybe I wouldn't say this to all my students because I think some of them they just genuinely don't care, and me saying this to them wouldn't it wouldn't mean anything to them. But some of my students, I'll tell them you are already an artist. Like you don't need, you don't need permission. You don't need any certain type of validation. You already have beautiful thoughts to share and vision and perspective. And you'll keep building that, you know, your whole life. Like, I think you would probably agree. It's like never something you finish. <laughs> it's yeah. always changing. Yeah. But I'll tell them like, you already have valuable things to say. And like, I want to hear them and see them. So, um, you know, you can feel free to exercise that. Uh, I use the word ownership um, starting now. 
But that's just, that's what I think. I mean, I see like a little creative mind and just think you're already an artist. Right. But I see what, I see the, I see the value in letting this word artist as like a vocabulary word, um, you know, specifically mean that we've mastered a craft. Right. Like it, it's a profession and not like a character trait. Right. Yeah, I can, I can see that. You know, but there's so many people, probably your listeners here, uh, say, oh, I love to do art when I was in right. high school, or I love to do art. And then their life gets busy, and right. they have children, or they have work, and they let that be the thing that they don't um, don't give time to. And they... they they still think of themselves as that they had that creativity at one point and they've kind of lost it, honestly. And yeah. they're a little jealous when they see me out and I'm drawing something and they think, oh, and they, it's kind of like, almost like, wow, that's like a magic show. You actually can pull the rabbit out of the hat. You're able to look at something and, and come up with these beautiful, um, images. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think that goes back to like this uh, labeling that, oh, you are a computer person, you are a drummer, you are a vocalist, you know, you're a dancer, you're a mom. Right. You know, moms are moms and you've got to stay really good at that's your That's right. your purpose, you know. We, it's hard to, and I always thought I should do a, a, a essay on this, how to be a mom, how to be a person, and then how to include the creative yeah, parts in should. the process of all that. Because it's it's very rare that a mother continues to be creative because yeah. it's so overwhelming to try yeah. to raise children. Um, I've heard some truly beautiful stories on my podcast, which is one reason I love to ask people about their childhoods. So many people tell me stories about their mother's that like make me want to cry because oh. um, I know that people are doing it and, and you should write about that. I, I would love to read that. Um, and I, I think you're right that it's valuable and it is happening, but you know, I have such a skewed sample because I'm interviewing professional creatives. Yeah. So I think there, I think it goes to show like the, the, the percentage of my guests who talk about their mothers being amazing mothers and also like creative, full individuals. Yeah. Um, it's a really high percentage, I think, maybe compared to the general population, which I think really says something like about that type of mothering. That, that she can pull that off. Yeah. And that's such a high percentage of like just so many of my guests who are professional artists have mothers that walk that line really beautifully. Right. Um. But I don't, I don't think it's a given. I mean, I think it's, I think you're right that it's, it's somewhat rare and really difficult. Well, I came here to your house and I see, you know, you have space for your creativity yeah. and that's the first step. Yeah. If you're a mother saying, wait, I can't do this first, make a space. It could be just a corner in the kitchen mm. and put an easel there and it will stare at you and it will make you paint yeah. or put you know, a space where you can push the chairs apart and, ha- and dance with your children. Yeah. Um, 
I mean, I, I don't think you should. And I know mothers do that. We all have danced with our children, ran with our children, all the things that make it a lovely life. But um, really make it a space that's your space. Even if the children don't dance with you, dance in front of them, right. sing to your children. Yeah. I mean, I think that's one of the things that is... I don't see in this, your gener- the younger generation yeah. that are raising the children now, I haven't been hearing them sing as mm. much as my generation and my, my mother's generation. Yeah. We, I mean, I know a whole melody of uh, lullabies. Little nursery rhymes. And yeah, nursery, yeah. Um, and I, yeah. I sing to my grandchildren and, you know, it's just the most lovely place to be, yeah. to sing to your children as they sleep yeah. and they go to sleep. Don't stop that. Yeah. Don't stop that. That is precious. Yeah. I was interviewing an artist, a visual artist. Um, he does painting and like graphic design and digital art a couple of weeks ago. And he's a dad. He has, um, I think, three or four little kids. And he, he said something that I thought was so nice. I keep thinking about it. I don't have kids, but you know, I was a child. And so I think about these things and I'm a teacher. Um, but, uh, he was talking about how, you know, today, like our culture is so competitive and like, because there's social media, like as a little child, you can, you know, maybe it's harder for you to think that you're whatever you're doing is really good because you can, you know, click on the TV and see a little prodigy playing piano on Ellen, or you can see, you know, they're just, you can just see other kids your age who are so much better than you. And he was saying, um, you know, it's really hard. And then he was, he was saying that he still feels like that. And he's, he looks at like artists who are more accomplished, but then, you know, to, to, I, I, I was thinking to him, like, you know, you, get up every day and keep making stuff and your boys are seeing that your little boys are seeing that. I think he said he only has sons. Um, and I think what you're saying of like, don't just dance with your kids, but like dance in front of them, like having your kids just like passively see you making space, making room, taking risks, um, like stretching yourself, valuing your creativity those are really important lessons, um, whether or not you're like a professional. Yeah, 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 I agree. Just enjoy. I think, I think it makes life. Uh, first off, to be able to have a full, happy life, you know, come to know yourself and and accept and embrace that person. Like I had to actually learn. I mean, I resisted. I want to be like normal. I thought normal was mm. different than being an artist. And I thought, oh, I just want to be normal, you know. Um, I don't know how to explain that. But everybody thinks of yeah. artists as, oh, you're weird. They just the, the label of it, I guess, is what I resisted too. Yeah. Like, I would never, and I even to this day sometimes don't, people yeah. have no clue that I'm a, an artist. Yeah. I know and what you mean. I, I don't, you don't, you probably are uh, timid at expressing that label right off too. Because 100%. So I, um, yeah, I, I think I, that I had to actually um, 
accept my person yeah. and embrace that. Yeah. Uh, that is so crucial to embrace who you are and don't try to eliminate that. Um, and then you can, you know, be happy in yeah. the person you are and not resist it. Yeah, I really, really agree. And I, I know what you mean, like, I talk about this with my guests a lot, like people have assumptions about what an artist is and what they do and what they're like. And yeah. I think people might... Um, impose on you certain character traits that may or may not be true, or maybe they're maybe they're true, but they're not what people think, or you know whatever. But yeah, feeling misunderstood and feeling misinterpreted right off the bat is really exhausting. Yeah. And leading with "I'm an artist" is a great way to <laughs> make sure that people <laughs> misinterpret you right yes. away. Um, I felt that too. I mean, you have to be aware of it too. So, like even today. Uh, as I got here, I checked my phone. Oh, good. It's 11 o'clock. I'm on time. Yeah. Because artists yeah. are sort of dingy, honestly. Uh -huh. I mean, we just get lost in the moment it's so true. easily. Yeah. And then all of a sudden we're late. And then we get that reputation of being eccentric and not following the rules. And it's not yeah. that, that we try to actually, I over try to yeah. be on time to be all the things that help me function in society better. Um, yeah, it's not that you're late. It's like, it's not that it's like a negative. I mean, that's maybe like a piece of it, but the piece that people are missing is how beautifully present you are, right? Is that what you mean? Like there's these beautiful things that like lead to this other thing, but it's not because, it's not because you don't care. Yeah. There's like just this little fuzz floating around. <laughs> I keep like, do you see it? It's like, no. oh, it's, it's your right hair. By, Push your hair up. It's like a little fuzz that keeps floating right by my eye. Um, anyway, but like there are these beautiful reasons. Like you're you're so present and you're so like immersed in a moment and so kind of curious that like maybe time passes and you didn't realize. Right. Um, I don't mean that as like a generalization. Or you're present and then you're just so real. Being real and speaking from your heart is kind of, uh, it's kind of, Scary. Aus yeah. Awestruck for sure. others. You yeah. know, it's a little too real. Yeah. And um, so many times I'll even have to play that down because mm. I I teach at UVU. and Me I, too. Oh, Wait, good. did we already know this about yeah, each yeah. other? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So we yeah. were both teachers, you <laughs> yeah. know, and, and, and I will like read my reviews after the term or something. Yeah. Many times it's like, she's a little bit... <laughs> you know, I get that feeling like I give a little too much. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I mean, giving too much is to me beautiful, but yeah. some, some of the society does not Our want. culture has a very hard time with that. Yeah. 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 I get it. I'm the same way. I don't know another way to be though. Like, <laughs> I mean, I, I, yeah, I also am accused sometimes of, of giving a little too much and I just think sorry I don't know <laughs> like that's just how I am um yeah. so okay so let's let's reconnect back to Brent so um so you start you thought you were gonna made may, maybe do nursing but you were using this art scholarship and what happened well actually that goes back to this this other thing about being real so yeah. Brent actually unfortunately he's not here anymore he died Brent is a beautiful person he he um, 
he connects, he connected really well with wood, cactuses, anything. Instead of just looking at it, he would look at it deeply, you know? Um, and, and, and that goes to the, uh, thinking. And so he was really sweet about asking questions, not like a teacher that tells you the thinking, but ask questions, ask questions, ask questions and, um, make, make it so that the student thinks don't like when you even do a review as a teacher or, uh, they say somebody says, here, I did this nice piece of work. What do you think? Instead of just responding in an editorial way, um, ask questions, you know, that's better. That's a better way. Um, so, uh, that was good. Brent's influence was really awesome. Um, and then of course I kept continuing I transferred down to BYU, Utah, Provo. I got a bachelor's and then I ended up going on and getting a master's. Now I was not a student like very well. Uh, I took 15 years Wow, from high school to getting my master's. Cool. I, well, I didn't were, see the uh, yeah. benefit, you know, that a master's was when you're an artist, you don't really get right. out of college and there's a job opportunity. Right. Um, I did have another big player in my development and that was Neil Hadlock. I got, I, I would suggest this to anybody seeking the arts to not just go get a regular job working at a, a food, fast food place or something. And, you know, it helps get money because that's sometimes the only job. Try to seek out jobs that are connected to your related. field. Yeah. yeah. And so this job that I got, and I was just a young 19-year-old or so, I went to, and I worked myself through college, so that's probably part of why it took me for so yeah. long. Well, I'm, I'm assuming you were having kids in no, there, No, no. Luckily, um, because probably because I'm kind of... Well, I'm kind of beautiful. You yeah, know? you are beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> beautiful. That would you would think you would get married early if you're pretty. Yeah. Um, and I'm I'm successful and I'm intelligent. I think that kind of caused me to have a, a um, yeah a scariness to men. Yeah. I, I don't know what I happened. I did have boyfriends. Yeah. And I could have married them. It, it, I ended up not marrying till I was thirty eight. Cool. Which in my culture, which yeah. is the conservative LDS culture, yeah. was like probably could have been like, what is wrong with you? I I actually was fine with myself. I love it. And, and then you you had but you have kids, right? You yeah. said that before. Yeah. yeah. So you just So had fortunately kids later. later I did get to have the family situation and cool. Not that I didn't I didn't I always thought I would have a family and choose the traditional family life, you know, right away. Yeah. It didn't happen. Fortunately, I got a lot of learning how to be a creative person before I got my children. And then of course, when I had my children or my last child, I was 42. Cool. Um, wait, so I want to ask, um, when did you start doing sculpture? I feel like you started saying something about it a while ago. So I, I kind of had, um, done painting so much that when I got into college and I was introduced to sculpture, it was like this new challenge. And yeah. I just 
really gravitated to it. I think also the 3D of it. Yeah. I have always, um, I've always liked to do magnificent large pieces. So yeah. there's, um, I did work like my, my, um, I had a job that we worked on the Luxor and I did cool. 22 foot sculptures. Awesome. Actually, if you go through the Luxor, there's like 40 foot columns, a colonnade of, I don't know, it just flanks so the cool. whole place. And yeah. then there's these reliefs and, and then you go in the Luxor, the main entrance, and there's these 18 foot Ramses sitting there. I made all these kind of things. Amazing. Yeah, and Love then it. another uh, job. And I have no problem with working commercially. Yeah. As well as doing my of own course. work. Yeah. Well, a lot of people do. They think that's sure. that's like that's um, a sell out. Sell out. Yeah. No, no, that actually was really developmental yeah. in my. How many times do you get to actually create something 22 feet tall totally. and cast it and have it? Yeah. Making a beautiful artifice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I also feel like, I mean, I do a fair amount of commercial work too. I sing in like a wedding band and it's not, um, it's not my original art, but I do find that having the experience of creating something and, you know, it's an energy and I'm singing, you know, I'm singing live. It's not, it's not music that I wrote, but creating something that is, um, fulfilling someone else's vision really stretches my creativity in a very particular way versus like always creating things that are my own vision. And I feel like one really reinforces the other in kind of cool ways. Um, can I ask how old were you when you or like, what's the story of officially deciding like I'm going to pursue the arts instead of it being kind of like a, like a sneaky, like I'll keep the scholarship. Oh yeah. Um, hmm. um, I, I can't really answer that very yeah. well. I think I just, you just didn't stop accepted doing it. that yeah. I better stop fighting it. This mm -hmm. is what I am. Yeah. I, in retrospect, what does that, like, what does that mean to you? Like, I mean, what, what does it feel like to kind of feel like, I just, I just am. There's no fighting it. Like, what is, what do you think about it? Yeah. Um, I know it's like an, it's not a direct question. Right. It's just like, like, what do you think it means to just like be an artist? Well, I don't know really, because it's like being a fish in water. The fish has no clue that they're living in water. Right. And we live in air and we just, it's, we don't even see it. We, we can't, but we're, yeah. we're in it. So for you, does that experience, like wh whatever it is that, that kind of makes you go like, I, I can't, there's no use fighting it. I just am an artist. Do you feel like it, if you had to put a name on it, it's, it's like, like for me, I feel like maybe it's two things for me. I feel like I have, I have to make things. I, there's. I can't not, I, I'm miserable if I'm not making things. So, you know, whether that's I'm cooking or whether it's I'm writing music or whether I'm, you know, building something in my backyard, um, decorating a room, like I just, I just have to do it. Um, or I will get sad. And then I, I also think for me, like another thing that I feel like it's just an inevitable part of my personality is I think I pay attention to things like in an artistic way 
whether it be people or a view or an object or a movie, you know, I think I just consume and view things in kind of a. Yeah. Um, yeah, that sounds so awesome how you do that. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> how does it feel to you? Well, before you were talking about how you do the wedding thing yeah. and then and then you do your own kind of work sometimes. Yeah. And even though the wedding thing has these parameters mm-hmm. that that you're staying in a limitations. Yeah. Those limitations are so crucial to being yeah. a good artist. Totally. Um and so you even when you're doing your creative music work, I'm sure you uh, explore limitations and that's what is Absolutely. nice about a two-dimensional canvas that it has four sides to it and you only have the horizontal and vertical and you have to stop at those points right. um, those limitations actually keep you on a razor's edge yeah. where you could fall off easily but they they I try to explain this um because of those limitations and those boundaries, there's actually so much more creativity in that place. Yeah, totally. And maybe you understand that. And other artists we're talking to right now that are listening really understand that. Um, that's why, like Monet, he didn't probably say, I'm only doing water lilies, cathedrals, and haystacks. Right. It's actually, more like, how much can I? Yeah, each time, like, well, I explored that pretty good and then if he he had just gone off to um doing elephants all of a sudden right there's something about running around doing elephants and then I'm going to do snakes you know uh he could have done those and he could have done them all it wasn't really about doing haystacks or cathedrals it was about the light right and keeping his limitation really the light yeah and then keeping the study limited to those things so you can see how with Monet Monet, it worked really well yeah and most artists if you look in history they do that yeah you know even the composers yeah you know but what you want to do as an uh a creative person is to kind of and you won't even see the thread or the the connective thing yourself because you're the artist yeah but you will over a lifetime of creativity see oh I like those high notes and then the drop notes or I like the melody to just be kind of uh mono you know it might be you know that you just say I'm going to just work in this monotone place and keep that limitation that sounds really difficult 100 percent but if you did try to make something successful in monotone that sounds hard. Right. You I, know? To- I couldn't agree more. Yeah, <laughs> I totally like those, those creative limitations are such fruit, like such, such, um, they, they spark so much interest. I, I feel that way as well. And I, I feel that way. I I totally feel that way when I'm singing, you know, I'm going to a wedding and I'm singing brown eyed girl and don't stop believing. And the limitation is keep these songs recognizable to the listener. You know, they need to, they need to go, they need to feel like this is Brown Eyed Girl or this is Don't Stop Believing, but finding like little places that I can just experiment, like just small, small places where I can be creative or maybe be a little creative with, um, 
I don't know how I'm interacting with the audience or the band. Um, it keeps me engaged, you know, so I don't get bored, even though I'm doing the same songs, wedding after wedding after wedding. I don't get bored because I'm always trying to find just like a new, a new little place that I can kind of make it mine. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah. and then, then you, how oh, it's just beautiful what you do. That's awesome. Thank you. Yeah. I think we all are doing it. I mean, I yeah. think it's what we're talking about. Yeah. So, um, can I ask what age were you when you moved to Provo? Like how long were you in Rexburg? Oh, Rexburg was a two-year college then, and okay. just a two-year thing. And then I, I actually uh, moved when I was nineteen. Okay, and then because I'm trying to like put these fifteen years. Oh yeah. Like, in. So, oh yeah. So let's see. I graduated from high school in 1975. I actually graduated a year early because I didn't like high school. Yeah. Just and, you were and, shy, like you said, and yeah, I was shy. I. Uh, Interestingly, I'm I'm the baby boomer peak of the baby boomers. Yeah. So there was like I don't I think there was like 5,000 kids in my high school. Whoa. So there was 1,000 kids that graduated. So they were just trying to get these kids processed through. Yeah. Luckily for me because I did not even learn how to read until I was in college. Mm. And luckily I had a boyfriend that made me forced me literally to sound out things and learn how to read like wow. a a person when reading is so crucial to development like so luckily yeah. I didn't I, I haven't ever been a person that avoided learning so, like computers I'm really computer smart you know you could think oh, I don't when when you they came out and everything like, I don't want to take this on I'm, I don't avoid any learning like that um but uh, I don't know. So I'm telling you about that because I would not, if I had been born, I just love when I got born yeah. in this uh, era. Yeah. Because I am from old enough to be from an older classical era. <clears throat> yeah. A couple of, <coughs> excuse me, a couple of okay. um, really, really great things about my era is that I'm old enough to have had teachers that came from the the teachers that taught them out of the 1920s, which is the Picassos right. and those. Yeah, I I still had that uh, modern, um, well, postmodern yeah. it, teaching, and and also there was enough classical uh, hardcore discipline in it yeah. that we got. Um, then, then the another thing that I was going back to about not learning things like reading and stuff, I would never have been able to get into BYU mm, right later now. Yeah. yeah. Later, because, um, you have to have ACT scores that are yeah, amazing really and an, amazingly that I was allowed to go there and at that time, they had a really good faculty of artists that have actually, this Utah is known for being full of really good artists. Yeah. Part of it is because of some of the Utah, Utah BYU faculty and the U of U and the and Logan's faculty. Yeah. They, all the faculty that came and taught this, my generation, were yeah. really skilled. Yeah. 
And, um, and yet, and yet, um, there's still, I even remember when I got my master's, I still felt like that we had lost a lot of the traditions that maybe were passed down. Mm. Um, and I felt like I was groveling in a rubble looking for artifacts that had a piece of, um, a corbel over here or this or that, you know, and I could kind of piece together how to make my, uh, my skill, my, my structures by looking at the history, but it was kind of obliterated because of modernism. It got obliterated. Well, I, I'm kind of from a really interesting place because there was this obliteration of what is concrete yeah. About what, how, what is art? Sure, sure. It, and what is there an was artist? A real, yeah. Well, what is art? We had uh, Marshall Deschamps who said a urinal was art. Right. Um, now, recently, a guy puts a banana, a banana. on a We've, wall and they say it's art. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so I actually am really lucky that I came from that questioning what is art. Right. But then I'm also fortunate that there was still enough artifacts of what had been art. Right. So that let me be in my era of discovering I can do anything in art. Right, right. And since I have that disposition to really get my discipline down, my skills down, I went with that and then I've been able to explore my expression um, freely. Yeah. Um, how old were you when you finished your bachelor's degree? Or like how long, how long were um, you in Provo? Yeah, my bachelor's, I was, I was just, okay. So I graduated from high school in 75 and then 85, I got my bachelor's. Okay. So 10 years to get that. Okay. So during that time after you had moved to Provo, in addition to like getting your bachelor's, like, I think I just want to know what was going on in your, I mean, you kind of have been talking about it, but what was going on in your, like the development of your style, the development of your skill set, how, in what ways were you stretching yourself? In what ways was your kind of identity forming or changing? Like, what would you say were kind of like in, in that era of your life? What, what was, well, um, okay. So I got, I told you about Neil Hadlock. He, he owned a foundry in Lehigh. Okay. That foundry's still there. It's called metal arts, but it was called Wasatch bronze. Neil was a great player in uh, letting his foundry workers use a facility and cast their own work at a a lower rate, just the material cost. Cool. And he would be so sweet to let us just stay there through the night and work. So we'd work all day, eight hours, and then work night. And he worked around my school schedule. Cool. So he was a... I worked for the foundry for like five years, so all the way into like it was... 25 or six, six. And that's what I said. Find a, find an area that you can work in and make money while you're learning your skills, but it also will be a great benefit. And it was, I, I got to rub shoulders with these other artists that were producing their art and casting at the foundry. Uh, I had co-workers that are still dear friends to this day. We, we worked since we're you know, yeah. children, teenagers, young, 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 young people. adults, yeah. And we've all matured and had careers, you know, Blair Buswell, um, 
uh, Craig Varner, uh, Ed Spears. I, there's just so many yeah. that work. We're workers, people, and then the good artists. Um, so you <clears> got <throat> into bronze at BYU Idaho. I'm so like, no, not bronze. Okay, you were just what kind? What medium? Oh, were you? well, I would um, make things in clay and okay. then cast them in plaster. Or, okay, or um, cement or something. Okay, like that. so what did you you got into bronze at the foundry? And then yeah, okay. at, at the foundry, I learned all about how, and that was uh, for a woman. That is a very. Um, div- I'm probably. I don't know any women. There's this one really good book. It's called Through the Flowers. Um, what's her name? It's an old book. She talks. She she takes women through a process of cre- uh, learning to be creative, and she's yeah. way back in the '60s. Um, women, even probably to this day, have a tendency to not. Um, be tactile. Yeah. You know, taking something and whacking it with a hammer is right. not encouraged. Yeah. Or even like for, for female musicians, a lot of women aren't encouraged to play drums for that exact reason or brass because it's so, you know, your cheeks puff out and it's just not pretty. Um, but yeah, this is something. Or even I, to use guttural like right. forms of your vocal cords. Yeah. Right. Might might be a little bit odd, but that's yeah. that's part of the the like in art, you know, that's part of using the grays yeah. and the darks totally with the bright um what, what were you gonna say yeah. about her book though? I'm, oh, I'm curious. So uh Through the Flowers, well she talks about how she helped these women, you know, not be afraid of fire yeah. or banging things and things. And she noticed that as soon as a man came into the room, these women got timid. Mm. But on their own, they were a lot more brazen. Um, well, anyway, I'm probably one of the only women that have been a foundry worker that I know. You know, yeah. there's a few. Dion um, Duncan, she she was a foundry worker. She's a good artist. Um, I thought that was really crucial to my development because um, I... I weld, I make cool. I, 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 any tools I'm very skilled at. Yeah. That's and awesome. to know that the, that anything is accessible, right. any kind of tools. Um, well, that's why I was wondering about the bronze. Cause like, I'm so impressed. Like, like bronze feels so far away from something that I could even, you know, like, I mean, and I'm not a visual artist, but bronze just seems so permanent and heavy and like it's just really really cool um I feel like like I think I'm curious like when when the thought when when it first kind of entered your mind like oh bronze is a medium like that's like did you have to like give yourself permission to do it or did you just kind of feel like of course I'll try this you know actually bronze is a very feminine Mm. material it actually when you weld it with a TIG welder, it's like butter. It just it cool. just flows because it's got silicon in it. Yeah. And it, it's just really, a, you can hit it and it will bend. And it's really a beautiful material. Um, no, I just was... You I never felt I, intimidated. I, 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 I actually really, you know, I, I'm 
being an artist, rocks and just yeah. materials are really um, beautiful. Yeah, I just they kind of light you up. I have, yeah, cool. have a connection with those things. Cool. I love yeah. it. It's so cool. Yeah. So you were working at the foundry all through your bachelor's degree. You finished your bachelor's. And then was there time between your bachelor's and your master's? Or did you kind of just start your master's but just took a long time to finish it? Or did you take time off? Yeah, I uh, I did both. I started and took kind time of off. And and then, and, yeah. So what were you doing? Like, I just, I just want to know, like, like how were you learning? How were you starting to take commercial work? Like, I just, I'm just curious. Like, what was going on with you? Yeah, during that's those a years? good question. How does you know? You look back now. I've had so from I'm 62, so I've had 40 years of creating yeah um and it's nice to have somebody mature like me you know they say literally that okay so you get your master's and that's that takes a lot of work to um well for me I make everything like I'm doing this you know with a lot of intent um No, I fully agree. I love interviewing older women. I was just talking about this with my husband, I think yesterday, if not yesterday, Saturday, but that I just, I feel so, I feel like in my personal life, um, sometimes I feel a bit of a lack of like older female role models that I feel like I kind of see them and think like, okay, here's, I can be like her. Um, like a lot of the older women that I know just have had very already such different paths that I'm taking that I have a hard time. And I, I love interviewing older women who are artists and, um, uh, yeah, I also feel very like older women are very unrepresented in media in a way that I, that I, I think has maybe started to change a little bit, but um, but yeah, I'm interested in your story. Yeah, <laughs> what I, I was going to say I'm, kind of, I'm an, an anomaly because, for one, um, if you, they I read this years and years ago, and it, the statistics could maybe have changed slightly, but so you get a master's, and there's no doctorate in art. There's only a master's, and that takes typically three to four years of college after you did your bachelor's okay. is four years. So eight years minimum to get a master's. Um, and they only like let at BYU, they only have maybe a handful, 12 people working on their master's um, or at other schools. Yeah. It's not like there's a whole college of right, masters. Just a few. And, um, and so after you get a master's, they say that, Five years after those who have graduated with a master's, only 5% of those that have gotten a master's do anything at all associated with the arts. Yeah. Like, so you think, so you think about it, you know, and we were talking about, do you encourage children in that kind of like exhibits its own reality that it's a hard career? So don't worry about discouraging them because it's enough discouragement as it is. Yeah. Um, so to do it, you really have a, a lot of tenacity. Yeah. I would say that's my biggest trait 
I mean, I'm very, I'm a genius when it comes to thinking visually. Yeah. And that sure helps a lot. Yeah. <laughs> but then also my tenacity is, if anybody knows me, I'm tenacious. You're going to go get it. Yeah. There's, there's not a, a single part of me that doesn't work hard, strive hard, be, be intent. That is the major player in being an artist. Yeah. Totally. And you can see, I can see in your eyes. You're yeah. like, yes, I know. Yeah. We are the ones that <laughs> yeah. we, when we mean it, we mean it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. so, yeah. um, I'm kind of, you know, it sounds like I'm kind of a, really a, I'm a positive person. And here on this, I'm very outspoken and talking directly yeah. and just from my heart. But you get around me and I'm, I'm not that, unless you ask me, I don't give, I don't just give it out to people because yeah. it's not appropriate to do that, you know? Sure. So um, you're seeing a side of me that's just like, I'm tenacious and I'll tell you right now, Great. you know, <laughs> but it. I'm not like. Not like that all the time. That's not like my ego. Well, we all get, I think it's so common, like as artists, we have such a weird blend of being introverts, like very, very shy. I think a lot of artists in any medium can be very shy, very live in an inner world, um, are very meticulous and kind of paying attention. But then we do these things that are totally like gutsy. Like we, we take these actions that are like very risky. Um, even though like in an interpersonal way, maybe we're not like that. It's, I think it's a common Tale. Interesting, huh? I think so. Yeah, what a dichotomy it, that we are like that. I don't that. know what yeah. it is, which is another reason why I'm always, always wondering, is this, is it a personality, you know, as much as it's a skill set? Like, can anybody, I mean, I wonder a lot about which parts of it are kind of genetic and which parts of it are sort of inevitable. Like, if you are this kind of a person, you inevitably will pursue some creative things. Or just how fragile is it? Like, you know, could having like one really, really harsh teacher as a child, like turn you off of it? Like, you know, these people that you were saying, like maybe they were creative when they were younger and then maybe feel a little jealousy when they're looking at, at you or someone who's a professional creative. Like, did that person stop being creative because something happened or were they just never going to do it? You know, like, I think about that stuff a whole lot. Yeah, that's what, um, you know, I am a mother, too. So I see what you're asking in being a mother um, who who adores her children. Like, I've tried to give my children access to doing and being whoever they want. Yeah. Um, and, and just giving them that space and freedom to choose that. And sometimes being who they want isn't a classification of a thing, right. a, a profession. Right. Um, so it's interesting you're talking about that because even my my youngest is 20, and then I have a 21-year-old, a 22-year-old, and a 28-year-old. So cool. I have a variety, and my daughter's married and has children. She's starting to kind of allow See her children to become who they are. Right. I um 
see, I mean, I have this most amazing relationship with my children because we can talk about anything. Yeah. I mean, anything. Yeah. And because of that, we are, it's more about, you were talking about, are these people born that way or did they develop that way? Yeah. To, to talk about that, I, I think we're people that are always questioning and asking and searching. Yeah. We are not, that's, I think, the difference between a creative mind and, and the people that try to be creative, but they get so lost in just the hubbub of getting things figured and done, mm-hmm. you know, keeping up with life. The creative person, they, that is number one in yeah. their brain. It's kind of what I mean about it being inevitable. Like, it, it, I feel like me being creative is inevitable. Like, you could put me in a very boring situation and I think I would, I would find something to be creative about because I, I just don't really know any other way to be. So that's why I think like, I wonder sometimes like if it's less of a choice and not that we don't have really specific individual choices of how we spend our time. But if, if this, this thing of being creative is sometimes less of a choice and more of an inevitability or is it like a muscle where you choose? Like, I don't know. I feel like I hear, some people say it one way and some people say it another way. And I don't know. I feel always perplexed about it and curious. Right. Yeah. But I would like to know more about just like what your career has been like. Like, what would you, what, what do you want to say about those 40 years? Like you could talk about like what's been, what, you know, what you're proud of, like what challenges you've overcome. You could just talk about like your aesthetic and like what you like to make and like, how you see art, but like, what do you, what would you like to talk about? Well, it never gets old. Yeah. There's always a challenge to this kind of a life. I, uh, you know, I, I never get it right perfectly. And, and for years, you know, I didn't even keep any art. It would go to DI. Yeah. For the listener, that's like good, Goodwill, but Utah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a Goodwill. <laughs> yeah. A Salvation Army yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, you know, I didn't have a, you would think, this is interesting, a, a person that, actually a person that um, makes objects, I'm a, I'm a person that creates objects, tangible objects, you would think I would be a person that really likes to collect and have objects. Yeah. Like that that would be so cool that I could not only make them but have them. Yeah. Oddly, I don't have any after I've made the thing. Yeah. I don't have that much attachment to that thing. Yeah, it's like you said it's about the process. Yeah. And once you're done making it it's like, well, this is less interesting to me now. <laughs> yeah. I think that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. What kind of things do you like to make? Like, or what are you working on lately? Are you, do you, maybe here's a question that's kind of clear. Do you, do you like to make like series or do you like when you get curious about a thing, do you want to make like a bunch of different variations of that thing? Or like, how do you think about like what kind of projects you want to make? Well, I'll just talk about currently. Okay. Well, with, um, 
COVID, I just I was going to be in a um, really nice show that ha- brings in lots of patrons. It's in Colorado. It's called Loveland Sculpture in the Park. Well, you have to have like nine pieces in bronze for that show. Okay. And so I had worked really hard to get my pieces, and then they canceled the show. Mm. After that, then the summer came, and I was like, oh, well, maybe I just paint. Oh, you know, so, so I I um, recently, the work I've been doing recently has been more painting. Okay. Although I have been doing sculpture. I, I, I do about... 10 things at once. Always. Yes. It's yeah. not like I really just paint. Right. Um, but I, I've been really excited about doing these paintings that are like a garden flowers. Yeah. And that's so like, so to me it, in my life, I've really stuck, stuck to the figure painting people or making sculptures of people. It's kind of my parameters, yeah. my, boundary to see if what I can do with that because that tradition has been so used over centuries so for me to keep in a figurative realm but do it even better and new you know it's like you singing brown eyed girl right yeah you know you got to do it a little better to make it Oh, wow. That's exciting. Yeah. So that's cool when you're like in a parameter that's so restrictive, but you can make it even yeah. more, you can expand it yeah. where the world has never expanded yeah. it. And I'm still, I, I do that constantly, but I just talking about these floral things. I just didn't care. I haven't even cared if anybody buys anything. I yeah. mean, actually people said, can I buy that? And I'm like, well, I'm kind of saving everything for maybe a show. Yeah. And the pro- the um and I'm doing like I have my fl- my yard has um hollyhocks come in the spring. There's still some h- hanging out in. I love hollyhocks. And so I've done some hollyhock paintings and then there's all these wild sunflowers and then sunflowers and this and you know, there's all these different flowers that are take their season and then so there's always a new flower but the flower is not what I'm talking about like I said before I have been really loving just um the process of so everybody you know the flower might take up 20 percent 20 percent of the space yeah and then there's 80 percent background right I've been really really loving doing the paint and the background cool scraping off putting on yeah. just this really beautiful uh, abstract yeah. kind of thinking. Cool. And then it happens to have a motif of a flower in there. Well, if it wasn't for these gorgeous backgrounds and then the gorgeous flower, yeah. these paintings wouldn't have the right the life that they have. I mean, I've been looking at these as like a bug, you know, like so they're they're four feet t- four foot Four by fours. Cool. You know, they're they're large in size. Cool. Um, so that's kind of kind of been my thing. And that's just recent. Cool. I love that. Can you give me an example of some of like a, a way that you've thought of making your bronze figures new? Like, can you give me an example of like something that you're trying to do to build on that tradition or something you've tried? Yeah, because the tradition is like, and I I am a classically trained sculptor. Um, 
you know, I know the muscle anatomy and I can make a, uh, I can make you look just like you in in clay, (laughs) you know, I can, I can do that in paint, clay, whatever. Um, so I, you know, I think I know about life in a way that's so, I have this knowledge of life that so goes into eons in eternity. I am so connected with my eons of where I will, and you talked, you said, what about, um, and this is a roundabout way of answering your question, yeah. but um, you were saying, does a, a person know they're an artist and how do they go about that? Yeah. Um, I have a destiny. I don't have, I, I might not exhibit it in this life. Sure. But this is part of my destiny to have these experiences to prepare me for whatever yeah. t- whatever God has in mind for me. I mean, I literally not only have, this is sounds strange, but I don't just use art um, in a way that's like a physical making, um, paint and on canvas. Right. I have this um, real connection with faith. Yeah. And... You know, and from my belief system, and or anybody's, it could talk in more real terms that if you conceive it spiritually or in in your in your conscience, yeah, you, it must be uh, created first in your conscience, right. and then in spiritually, and then it's easy. Yeah, it, physically, it's already. I actually am fortunate to be able to imagine any kind of shape in my brain and turn it like on a computer Mm -hmm. can be 3d analyzed up down side. And so I actually can see, uh, the images in my brain and then it's a matter of getting them into tangible objects. Of course there's a process and maybe the clay kind of has some say in that and the, the subject and this and that, but, I'm saying that you asked what what what's going on. How do I like find but, excitement in yeah. the direction I'm doing my sculptures, which is really limited in uh, figurative contents. You know, more now is what I'm trying to say about humanity, humans. Yeah, I am really in love with humanity. Yeah, so I I just think we and you could you could be tainted because the news teaches you all about how ugly this yeah. humanity is, but we are not. I feel the same way as you. Like I, I was talking to my husband Andrew again. I can't remember if it was last night or two nights ago, but it was in the same conversation, and he was saying. You know, Emily, you always find such cool people for your podcast, and I was like, I don't think that's true. I just think people are cool. Like you just yeah. have to know, you just have to know what to ask. Like, or you have to kind of get people talking about the things that make them interesting, 
And then I think it's much more common that people are very interesting than not. Um, but I also feel kind of in love with humanity. So you're, uh, is what you're saying that you're trying to, um, to capture something that you see that maybe like, you don't think other people are seeing in the sculpture? Like, see if you can make something that is like human in, in a specific way that you kind of see clearly. Yes. Cool. Cause I know clearly how awesome I am and how much God adores me. Yeah. And he has that same immense love and not, I, love sounds not enough. He has that like same interest. Yeah. Investment in, or yeah. He, like, awestruckness over us. Yeah. He is just like, oh, even though we're basically little slugs here on this earth. But our infinite power and uniqueness, not that we're better than a slug, but that we have that capability of free will to choose mm -hmm. to be amazing. Um, so I know that about me. Yeah. And then when I'm commissioned to do, say, um, Martha Hughes Cannon. I was commissioned 20 years ago to make a sculpture and it's at the Utah State Capitol. Martha's a wonderful, awesome, amazing woman in her era. She was um, a doctor, one of the first wow. women doctors. She actually was a polygamist. She was, um, she helped a lot in health uh, form. So she was the first cool. lady legi state legislator in the United States, cool. state legislator. Yeah. So for her time, she was a women's lib lady, totally basically. Groundbreaking. But she yeah. didn't really, she's just doing her thing, you know? Yeah. Um, so I had this commission, you know, and she, she in her person in, embodies the most most example of humanity at its best. Yeah. I mean, she, I, I, I knew her yeah. granddaughter and her granddaughter would speak of some of the not so, the more human parts. Yeah. But her nobility and amazingness. And that's what I, I, if even with you, if I did you, it, I would not focus on your, um, imperfections but the person that you are your yeah. interior that is trying to be cool and so when my pieces they exhibit that um nobility like, yeah. of our humanity like the highest self yeah the highest cool yeah. i love hearing you talk about how like your respect and honor kind of for yourself is like you part of your practice is like extending that to other people. That's, that's a really interesting, like, you know, behind the scenes process, like taking kind of what you know about what you're capable of and what you know about like your kind of highest potential and extending that, um, extending that, that type of a span to other people. That's, that's when I, when I talk about artifice, I, I say this like almost every single episode, my listeners are probably so sick of hearing it, but I just like the word. It's just a cool word and it has art at the beginning, 
but when I, what I, what that, what it means to me in the context of this podcast is what are the behind the scenes, like what are the unseen relationships that the artist has with their art or with themselves or with their audience or with their medium or whatever. And I think that's like a perfect example of the kind of story that I want to hear, or the kind of thing I'm looking for of just, you know, your, your totally private sort of method of thinking about things that like allows you to create. Like, I don't, I don't know that somebody would look at your sculpture of Martha Hughes Cannon. Is that the right? Yeah. Did I get it right? I knew it was Martha and Cannon. I was worried. I forgot Hughes. Um, but look at your sculpture of her and, and ever think that part of that process was you like considering how wonderful you are. Like I, that's the kind of thing that unless we, unless like we, nobody would ever guess, like they would maybe think, Oh, she's really, Loralee is really good at, um, bringing out the best in people or Loralee is really good with the muscles and like the, you know, mm-hmm. something really tangible, but they would never maybe just, they would never guess that part of that process for you is having this like kind of awe and like your own humanity and what that means. Um, but it sounds like that's like a really important piece and it, I think it's valuable to hear it. Yeah. And, and you're talking to a woman that's 62 years old. I mean, I say that like I'm really old. I don't feel old at all. As a matter of fact, I'm like, I have 30 more years. Gosh, what do I get to do that I'm going to yeah. really do? Yeah. You know, I mean, I've probably always. Awesome. But the, the point is, is that, and I, I guess I kind of chose sculpture in a way because there is this permanence yeah, and there is this a trace of something that I can leave behind making a sculpture that would probably be at the state capitol way after I live or Martha Hughes Cannon have lived. Right. Um, so I'm leaving a mark and a telling point of what what we were about at this point in yeah. society, um, what we valued. But But who cares about that? It could all be toppled over like half the sculptures in this nation last month happened, you know, um, it's just materials. The, the truth is, is that I can see me from that little girl that took art lessons at 11 and how that has formed me. And not only that, but the hardship of feeling so shy, you know, not just, my mother said she would drive past the elementary school and I, I was so intimidated by humans (laughs) that I love humanity, but I was so intimidated by humans and being friends with the other little kids that I would stand at the chain link fence and just wait my recess out. Yeah. And my mother couldn't do anything and she would drive past and she would just cry that this little girl couldn't reach out and have connection with the world and it was frightening. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And there's more than me that have that frighteningness. We all do, but the, the fact is, is that you will grow and you will grow and you will grow. Yeah. And in your growing, you will blossom. Yeah. And, you know, and in that blossoming, just shine. This world it needs us to shine. And it doesn't matter if I did a great sculpture because they're not that great in the end anyways. It's really about me. And then it's about me f- having forgiveness having love, 
having that ability to look into your eyes and see you. Yeah. You know, that is more important than making a stupid sculpture. Totally. If I can look at people and they can see that I am looking at them, mm-hmm. that I care in ways that really took years of learning how to empathize and be present like we were talking. Yeah. Yeah, that 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 to me is the point. That's the value. Not the making a great sculpture or yeah. painting. You know, it's it's not that's totally not agree. it. It's like I totally agree. And I and I also I also think a lot about I mean, I'm 32. So, yeah, you're, you're so 30, half my age. Yeah, 30 years older than me. And I also think I look back on the 30 years and think there's a lot of changing and developing in that time. And then I just wonder, like, I assume there will be as much or more changing and developing in the next 32 years. And what will it be? Yeah. Um, but I, I fully agree that, like, the practice of art is not about making art. The practice of art is about making, like, these connections between our past and our present, between you and me, between this medium and that medium between, um, you know, across generations, across cultures. Um, it's, it, I, I agree with you. It exists in our brains. We could have all the skills in the world, the tangible skills in the world. And if we don't have that other piece, it doesn't matter. So we, we work on these tangible skills in order to translate our vision and our experience and our perception and what we see are our unique perspectives into something that can be be held by others. Um, but the cultivating of that um, experience and that empathy, like you were talking about, and the, the practices of presence and the practices of really looking at something and really beholding something or really listening or whatever it is, that stuff is so valuable and it goes so far beyond the arts, I think. And it really is this, it, it is like creativity and imagination is the one thing that separates humans from other animals. And yeah, if we don't prioritize creativity, then what, what, what are we doing? What yeah, is humanity? That is, yeah. Well said. That was beautiful how you said Thank that. You. <laughs> that was awesome. Yeah. We, we have so much to be able to be able to do and. This is such a lovely life. Yeah. Don't ever get depressed about it. It's every morning I wake up excited that I have another day to live. It's so, you know, so yeah. amazing to live life. It, a- even in the roughness. I mean, I've been divorced. I've had some rough times, you know, and yeah. um those are good. Yeah, it gives you more empathy and more perspective and more yeah. Yeah. Well, this generation keeps coming back to, oh, we got to have mindfulness. And they've got all these words for that kind of thinking, you know, which is great that we're awakening to ideas like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I see very, I think, again, like I love doing this podcast because it, it gives me a really beautiful opportunity to connect with people who are like the thing we all have in common here in, in the podcast is we're artists, but you know, I, I interview people who have grown up in really different places or who have very different backgrounds or who are much older or, you know, quite a bit younger than me. Um, and I, 
I get this kind of weekly, like regular practice of just realizing like how much we have in common. And I think it's, I think, you know, I, I think maybe what you're starting to say is like, sometimes these, these a preoccupation with mindfulness is maybe like, it's missing the point a little bit, um, which I think is probably true. But I also think, you know, we're you, we're coming, we're a product of like our, our, our circumstances in a lot of ways. And in the same way that like your generation has certain tools that work sometimes and don't work sometimes, like we're all just like trying to figure it out, <laughs> like prioritizing this and prioritizing that and maybe missing the point a little, but getting the point really well in some other ways. And I think it's just, it's just part of it. It's just part of it. It's just mm-hmm. like the inevitable, like, you know, yeah. responding to our environment and trying to figure things out. Right. Yeah. Like I said, I'm so grateful I was born in the era I was born, but you guys are really hold, fortunate to yeah. be in your era that you're born in. Yeah. It's, the, a, it's an awesome era. It's been a weird time. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm like, I'm like, like you said, you're right in the middle of the baby boomers. I'm like uh, as millennial as millennials yeah. get. I'm like right in there. And like, yeah, having kind of had one half of life pre-internet and one half post it's a it's a unique like I think a lot of people my age will will feel a similar way when we're looking back like that was really like you were talking about having a foot in kind of like this classical and then this more like neo-modernism um I think a lot of people my age will be like I remember when there wasn't internet the yeah but then I lived so much of my life in it, you know, I don't know. I think, I think it's interesting. We all just kind of like learn as we learn. And then people my age will have to, you know, when, when we're in our sixties, look at, you know, people who are 20 and 30 then and try to think like, what is cool about you? <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> yeah, well, I like it. Yeah. Um, okay. I always ask everybody at the end, what's your dream collaboration or just your dream project? If you, if you don't, if you're not a collaborator. Like what's a, what's a dream? Um, or it could be like, I'd love to have a piece in this show. I would consider that a collaboration too. Well, I just, um, I know that I've had some challenging projects and I always think, wow, this, this is like the hardest project that I've ever had to attempt. And then, and then I make, you know, I've, pull it off and then I I just think that I've always been prepared for another more challenging thing yeah so um my my dream and I pray every day I I really have a connection with God and I want to be able to use my talents to better his kingdom here on earth since we are mortals I have uh, mortal limitations but I really think that I've been prepared for doing even better than just like having major shows or galleries or whatever. You know, I've done things like that in my life and it's it's nice and you know, provides living and this and that, but I really pray that God will use me to better his this world, to make it a better place to live. And um I really you know, don't know how, I mean, I have been used a little bit by my, my church to make sculptures and things, but, um, 
there's a bigger picture going to happen here. And I think I'm being prepared to keep uh, for a bigger, bigger, harder way. Um, you know, maybe I would be one of the artists that help make a new Jerusalem temple. Um, I have ideas that nobody ever probably has conceived of, you know, because in the temple that I am part of, there's a, a procession. It's sort of like a pr process, and it, you move from one one place to the next in the temple, and you learn things, and then, and I actually think the art in a temple could um, make that experience more exquisite if mm -hmm. it was more um, kind of had some different things that I, yeah. I could see. I don't know. I, I'm fine if I never used, but I do pray that God will, not not to do just work for temples, but to make the world a better place. Yeah. I, I just am open. Yeah, that's a beautiful idea. Your your dream project is to make the world better. That's yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah just to make a, a plug. Uh, it's not a, it's not with my group of, of um, pastors or anything, but this other group um, of artists, they, they're making these films called The Chosen. And I they're think actually. I heard about that. I think I saw a billboard about it. Yeah. And they, they are so magnificent. Who, these, who does it? Who's, who's doing um, it? Jenkins. His name is. Um, it's just like three writers. Cool. But they're films. They're, they're, they're like a. Um, They've got the first season. Okay, done. Like it's a TV show. It's it's a TV show. It's free. You can just watch the first seven free. And I'm saying this because I've contacted them and said, "Hey, I will work for you free. I believe in this." Yeah. And it really is a beautiful um, representation of Jesus Christ and His calling His followers. Mm. And I literally. Love it so much. I'm like, I'll drop my nets. I'll go. I'll follow you, Jesus. Yeah. It makes you want to drop your nets like Peter and Simon and just follow Christ. Yeah. Just stop everything and do whatever Christ needs you to do. Cool. And I'm a Christian at I'm just yeah. such a Christian yeah. that I'm just like anything to help the work. Now, they are, they're interesting because they're just like me, like... These these um, these artists, they don't even have the money to do this. They are just like, okay, we'll bring the seven fish and the loaves of bread, and Lord, you figure it out yeah. how to feed the five thousand. They have that much faith, and guess what? They get to use this Jerusalem um, stage center that the LDS Church has. Uh, made for filming Jesus pictures. Cool. They've gotten permission to use that cool. and that facility. They're not an LDS group. No, they're evangelists. Cool. And I love that they're doing this because their way of presenting Christ is so like he's a person. Like visceral. Of, you yeah. know, he is a human cool. being. He came to this earth. He condescended and he became a human being, mm. and he had to endure this this earthly existence. Um, and they do it so artful. I mean, yeah. they have, have Matthew, who is the, um, the tax collector, you know, in the yeah. Bible, 
they they've they've created his character character for instance to be a idiot savant somebody that mm-hmm. just loves numbers yeah but he doesn't get it and then when Christ says come follow me he's like me I mean really you want me like I'm I'm the oddity so it's kind of like modernized or is it no no it's okay. it's all it's uh, all in looks in this Jerusalem ancient. set okay but the way they've characterized all the Person, just very the, human. It's so personal yeah. and, and human. And, you know, for a person like me, I have always had an intimate relationship with Christ and God. But it even makes me go, oh, you want me? Even this person that I kept telling you, I, did, I wanted to be normal. I didn't want to be the artist. Mm. But he can use me. Yeah. I am uniquely, beautifully given these talents that are... So yeah, unique, you can do he can with. use me yeah. in his, like he, it makes you go, whoa, I can be, I can follow you, me, even me. Yeah. And it's so gorgeous. And cool. I, so I actually, um, I've contacted them. I, I wish they would just use me yeah. to help make these, these other, um, they, they're going, they're getting going. They're a doing the next season. Cool. Yeah. Well, that is a dream collaboration. If I have ever heard one, I would That's love it. Cool. I that hope that happens for yeah. you. If they um, need me, if they don't, you know, yeah. I, I'll be needed I'm somewhere. Sure there's something. Um, okay. And then finally, um, I always ask my guests to tell the listener where they can find your work. Um, oh, like well, that's very nice. Social or. So I am on Instagram. It's Laura Lee. Um, underscore artist. Okay. That's Instagram. And I post a lot so you can see what I'm doing all the time. And then you can go to my website. It's got a lot of, you just see, and also you can read what I say more about why I do art. Cool. And that's lauraleebradshaw.com. Okay. So those two places are a good place to start. Awesome. Laura Lee, thank you so much. I love talking with you. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Artifice. Our theme song is As You Are from My Album Masks with artwork and merch designs by Sarah Keel and ad segment music by Jerem Hansen. If you'd like to recommend a professional artist for an interview on the podcast, please send me a note through my website, emvocals.com. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Thanks again. Have a great week.